Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Fonderant. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the Southwest, in the... Uh... Uh, let's see, United States, Canada, Europe, wherever you may be listening to us live on the Podbean app tonight. It's another edition, another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Zach Bondurant, joining me from beautiful Chandler, Arizona. We are in day one, two, three, four of NHL free agency. Anything going on, Zach? Uh, I mean, you could say there's been some noise, a little bit noise, and I think we all expected. <laughs> yeah, some noise is a, is a bit of an understatement for the uh, the way this season has gone and 2020 in general has gone. But we talked professional hockey self uh, professional hockey on professional hockey Southwest Weekly, the uh, professional speaker that's trying to speak. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's our job. We talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. We talk about the Arizona Coyotes. We talk about the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Um, tonight we got a special guest that's going to join us uh, in a few minutes uh, from uh, Las Vegas. Danny Webster is going to join us from uh, NHL.com, the correspondent. He also does two or three other things regarding Vegas Golden Knights hockey. So he's going to be a great guest coming on tonight. Because, Zach, uh, just a few hours ago, the Vegas Golden Knights announced that they have signed uh, Alex Petrangelo to a seven-year, $61.5 million contract with a no-move clause. And they've traded Nate Schmidt to Vancouver, of all places, uh, for a draft pick down the road, shall we say? Yeah, uh, they they definitely – I think they realized once they got Alex that – Vancouver was going to be able to kind of take uh, take advantage of the situation, which, but I think Vegas was kind of happy with the current signing that they had, and and Nate Schmidt was an excellent player that they had brought in in the beginning. And um, either way, it's a third round pick, so um, there at least there there is some dividends paid back. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I just got off the uh, the media call uh, with Kelly McCrimmon, and he said it was one of the toughest things. Uh, that he had to do was to uh, trade Nate Schmidt. As a matter of fact, he went as far to say if it wasn't for uh, Alex Petrangelo that he would not have traded Nate Schmidt. Uh, I knew that all along, that he was the guy that did not want to trade. I also knew two other things that I had heard uh, that have played out so far, that they were uh, not going to trade Marc-Andre Fleury because, A, it was difficult, and, B, uh, Bill Foley um, stepped in and said, I really like having him on the roster, and I want to keep him here. So that was a part of it. Uh, but like I said, having uh, a guy like Alex Petrangelo come along, it, it just doesn't happen every day. So when that does happen, you got to jump on it. Um, now when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and you look at their roster lineup and you look at leadership and guys that are cemented, Mark Stone and, and Alex Petrangelo are the only two that have no trade clauses. So... That, that tells you their fixtures for the next uh, seven, eight years uh, in a Vegas Golden Knight uh, a jersey. Your, your thoughts on that? Um, well, one, like like you said, Alex Petrangelo, is, he's a piece that they believe is going to be their guy that gets them over the hump and fills in that 
that uh, part of their game that that was kind of shown as the weak point in the playoffs this year. So, um, I mean, they already have him slotted in playing with Brain McNabb, which I think is probably is probably most likely. Um, but as far as like the no trade clauses, I think I, I'm not a fan of those. Um, I think a modified no trade clause is a little bit better, but. Um, I mean, I guess whatever you got to do to get the deal done. Um, I mean, more personally, too, I think with the cap issues that Vegas is in um, or the cap issues that they have been in over the past few years, I think having those no trade clauses, putting them in an even tougher scenario uh, because you have to go to the player and the other teams know that there is only two people in the mix so uh, or a few people in the mix to try and get that player. So. Um, they're obviously in a win now mode and there is no, there's, there's nothing but winning in this organization at this point. So, um, they're all in, they have literally cashed all their chips, put them in the middle and they're saying we're all in. And especially if they're keeping flurry, then they're, I think anything but raising the cup this year is a bust in their mind. Yeah, I think that's the way it's been every year. <laughs> Bill Foley. I mean, yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah, I know always what the case. Yeah, but. yeah, I know what you're saying, but but Bill Foley was, or uh, Kelly McCrimmon was asked on the uh, the media availability call, um, you know, just what it was like working for Bill Foley, and he said he's the best, and it said that's just exactly what um, what uh, you know they would expect to do uh, is go out to win. I mean, Bill Foley's made a, he didn't buy this team to uh, finish second. He bought it to win a Stanley cup and uh, they haven't achieved it yet. And even when they do achieve it, they're going to want to continue to achieve it. I thought the other thing that was interesting, uh, Zach is they, they asked about um, how they wined and dined, if you will, uh, Alex Petrangelo uh, this last weekend. And, and he's, and Kelly McCrimmon said it wasn't really us whining and dining him. It was more like, him interviewing us because he came in um, knowing exactly what he wanted to ask, what he wanted to see and everything that went along with it. And he kind of uh, just took it to the golden Knights and said, this is this and this. And you can see that by the length of the contract, the amount of the contract and the no movement clause in the contract. Um, I believe he got what he wanted. Oh yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he was looking for. Um, I had heard that it was around the eight mark. Um, the term I'd heard anywhere from like max term eight years, or it, it was definitely going to be a six to eight year contract because he's in his, he's, he's 30 years old. He's set himself up for, this is the last contract that he has. Uh, this is his going out contract. He sets his family up in an excellent position. Um, so, I think money-wise, it's exactly what he wanted term. I think he was flexible on the term more so. But, yeah, it's, it, sounds like, uh, it, he, it sounds like he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew that – he knew what he wanted. He knew the system. So – and, I mean, honestly, from his perspective too, he, he wants to win. So he probably had a lot of questions and looking at the cap issues, like, Hey, how, how is this going to work? And he probably had a lot of questions for them in the sense of um, long-term view, because I'm looking at the cap right now and it's, they got a lot, they got a lot of money tied up in the next three to four years. So um, I, I'm sure he picked their brain on, on what it is they were planning on doing on, well, I'm sure their their answer was we're going to win this year, <laughs> but if yeah. it's not this year, it's going to be you know what are we doing? How how do we make this a Stanley Cup champion franchise? So, um, like I said, it sounds like that based on the lack of movement that Vegas had throughout the draft and the beginning of free agency, that this was their primary focus. Nobody else was really on their radar. Uh, not to say that actually, but this this was their primary focus. They had backup plans, I'm sure, because that's how Vegas does it. But um, they put all their all their focus on this one, and it seems like they got the guy that they wanted. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, um, especially with the no movement clause and and the success that they have this year. Um, and if they if they're in the same situation next year, how is that going to work? Um, but uh, that's, well, that's I, 
further down the road. So Yeah, and I think a couple of things, and then uh, we're going to take a quick break here shortly and bring on our, our special guest who I think is with us here uh, in just a minute. But um, I think the way they looked at things was it's a hard cap, $81.5 million. So they had to fit under that, and right now they're about $125,000 over it. Kelly McCrimmon told us all that they will definitely be uh, in compliance on opening day, which is what they're required to do. Um, I also think things they're looking at down the road, how things might change the numbers might go up, how they might move guys here and there. But, um, just one final thing. Well, we'll take a quick break and, and bring on Danny Webster. But, uh, my final thought on it, Zach, is the pressure now squarely lies on, on this team to win and win now, like you brought up and they're going to need some pieces, some, some younger players to step up and play some big roles. They got to fill uh, Paul Stasny's, shoes they've filled their defensive role i think they might have the two best goaltenders in the league in a tandem so now it's time to uh to get out there and and show what they got but uh there's nobody better to ask than danny webster here in just a minute so let's take a quick break uh hear from a couple of our partners and we'll be right back with danny webster the vegas correspondent from nhl.com plus much much more in vegas we will be right back in about three minutes ask any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit ease. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with M-Drive. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host is always Zach Bondaran from beautiful Chandler, Arizona tonight. And uh, Zach, it's our pleasure to welcome the uh, NHL.com correspondent and uh, Mr. Vegas Hockey Everything, uh, Danny Webster, to the show. Uh, Danny, if you're there, uh, just simply click on one of the uh, call-in buttons and we'll bring you on live and and talk some hockey because I know there's been a few things going up in Vegas. So uh, if you're if you're there, we uh, let's chat. In the meantime, as we wait to get uh, Danny connected, I think we have him. Danny, how are you? Good guys, how are you doing? 
We're doing well. You got Scott and Zach with you. I know you and I have never had the opportunity to meet face to face, but I've seen you uh, around the Vegas locker room over the past three years or so. And uh, I know that you have a lot of insight into uh, Vegas. So why don't you tell our listeners that, Danny, just a little bit about what you do in Vegas and and your love for uh, for Vegas Golden Knights hockey, obviously. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I try to do as much as I can. Like like you guys mentioned, uh, I am the uh, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com here in Las Vegas. I also am the uh, the site manager for Knights on Ice, the SB Nation flagship for the Golden Knights. Also, uh, doing a weekly column for a gaming uh, gaming publication called Gaming Today here in Las Vegas, and I also do a podcast called uh, Lockdown Golden Knights, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. So. Keeping myself busy, especially during these times during an offseason, which just got a whole lot more interesting about a couple of hours ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like I said in the open, uh, you know, I had a chance to uh, jump on the media availability with uh, Kelly McCrimmon oh, about an hour or so ago. And, and, and Kelly said it was one of the toughest things in his business was to trade, trade players, but especially trade class people. And he said that uh, it was especially hard to move a player like Nate Schmidt. You know Nate. Um, how difficult do you think that move was? I think it was very difficult, given a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously, him being one of the original Golden Knights when they took him in the expansion draft. I think just just having that originality, that camaraderie of the guys that were here at the very beginning, just another one that pretty much leaves, goes out the door, I think is really one, one of those concepts. The other thing about it, I think, is the on-ice production. I mean, when he... When he got to Vegas, he absolutely earned that contract extension that he got. What he did in the inaugural season and how he kind of bounced back from that suspension in year two, which, I mean, you can we can play the game for as long as we want. And should he have been suspended, how ridiculous it was. I mean, I, I, I could probably go on and on about how ridiculous it was, but he comes back <laughs> from the suspension and then he, he pretty much has one of the better seasons of his career. And if he had played the entire 82 games, he would have absolutely played up to that contract. And then last year, kind of the same thing. It was kind of a – in terms of an offensive production, it was kind of up and down. And defensively, I think he did his job. And obviously in the playoffs, I think that's where everything gets magnified, really, with how his production looked. And he just, uh, I, I thought he had a very up and down postseason. And I think that's probably what led to uh, Kelly McCrimmon pulling the trigger on that trade today. But I, as far as just the personality, he's one of the, I, I tweeted about it earlier today. He's one of the nicest people that I've gotten a chance to cover in the last three years. And, and pretty much you, you talk to him about anything, whether it be, you know, the actual game, whether it be Minnesota sports or in our case, we've talked about Star Wars about a million times. <laughs> and and every and every time, just when you talk to him, he's always willing to give you his time and he's always very uh, polite and courteous. And uh, as far as a locker room presence, he is definitely going to be missed for the Golden Knights as far as a guy who produces on the ice and does what he does. I think also it's going to be a huge hit. But I, I think the whole conversation leading up to last Friday was that if the Golden Knights really didn't feel like they were going to land Alex Petrangelo, they were going to do whatever they could to keep the roster intact and maybe make a couple of moves here and there to bolster that lineup. But as far as immediate production, it is definitely going to be very difficult, I think, in the short term to replace what Nate Schmidt has brought the last three years. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Zach, you want to hop on? Yeah, yeah. So thanks for coming on. We're like, like Scott said, we're happy to have you on. The first question um, would be is so when the team came into the league originally, they kind of had that weird uh, dynamic, not weird, but very original dynamic of, you know, where the misfits, where the cast offs. And today we see another one of those original players be traded away. For somebody who who could be seen as an outsider from from the original roster, uh, how do you think that that locker room feeling is? Do you think there's a change at all, or everyone's uh, has the like winning this mentality? Like we're winning this mentality, or do you think maybe it's there could be something a little bit not that we don't see that's going on? We see Mark Stone in there now, so what is it that you think? 
I think that there could be some of that. It could be a problem if you look at it from the outside. I mean, you look at back at year one. I mean, obviously that team should have had no business making the Stanley Cup final. I think we can all agree on that. But what that team was able to accomplish as far as the team that they assembled together in 2017 to what it produced on the ice in 2018, I don't think that anybody could have predicted what that team was going to look like. And even leading up to the trade deadline, the Golden Knights really were in a position to make some big moves, to make some what could have been franchise-altering decisions. And, of course, they decided to hang on to the likes of David Perron. They decided to hang on to the likes of James Neal instead of trading them. And it turned out to be a pretty good decision, although probably Perron might have been the one where you could say, well, maybe we can move him if he's not going to be a major playoff contributor. But, I mean, even if you go back, even before they pulled the trigger on the trade for Tomas Tatar, they were, I, I, I would say, if they were driving down a football field, they were at the goal line for Eric Carlson. And the only thing that prevented them from moving on from or to go forward with getting Eric Carlson was including Cody Glass in the trade. And the fact that they did not do that, I think spoke volumes of what at the time George McPhee thought was the right decision was to keep the core intact, keep the guys that for the entire season were being told as they could possibly be trade fodder. And he decided to roll the dice with them and go forward with that group. And I think when they got to year two, the whole the whole mindset changed because now those guys that you kept for the entire year, well, now they're going to get big-time contracts elsewhere. Perron signed with the Blues, and, of course, he went on to go with the Stanley Cup, and James Neal got a big payday with Calgary that, of course, Vegas was not going to match. And then they decided to go forward with signing the likes of Paul Stasny. They, got, they give uh, Ryan Reeves a contract extension. Uh, they signed Nick Holden to a deal. And then, of course, they go out and really, without affecting the core, go get Max Pacioretty. And again, without affecting the core later on in that trade deadline, uh, they go out and get Mark Stone. And to the point where George McPhee was able to keep the core intact, add two, uh, essentially two superstar players, and it really paid off. I think the whole, the whole trying to get away from the long-winded answer of this, but I think where everything changed, I think, was Kelly McCrimmon taking the job. Because now it's more so, it's Kelly McCrimmon's team. He was the one that was going to be in heavy consideration for the Seattle job when it opened before they, uh, before Ron Francis was became the GM. But the fact that they went with Kelly McCrimmon and saying, okay, this is your team. We are going to give you the keys. Do with what you see fit. And I think the biggest thing to come out of that was on January 15th when they fired Gerard Gallant. And I think that was the immediate beginning of this whole different mindset. Because, I mean, we talked about the players and whatnot. Gerard Gallant being moved on was probably the, the, probably the biggest thing that happened with that team. And to move on from a, from a guy who coached that team of basically cast-offs to a Stanley Cup final – to now a playoff appearance in year two and well on their way to a playoff appearance in year three. And not only do they fire Gallant, they go out and get Pete DeBoer of all coaches and <laughs> they lead that. I mean, it's true. I mean, I remember waking, I was in California on that, <laughs> on that day and I woke up and I saw the email. And the first thing I thought was, well, I'm going back to bed because this makes no sense. Right. But, but I mean, right, exactly. But I mean, the fact that, and even, and even Kelly McCrimmon, going out and getting Robin Leonard to, again, not affecting the core for as much as Malcolm Subban was loved here. The fact that you only gave up a second-round pick, a prospect, and, or a second-round pick, a prospect, and Malcolm Subban to get one of the best goaltenders in the league. And then also you only give up a couple of draft picks to bring in Alec Martinez to shore in your blue line. They did a good job of keeping the core and really keeping that golden misfit mentality that was established in year one. Now, I don't know exactly what happened between the pause on March 12th to when they got eliminated in Game 5 against Dallas, but something in there happened to which 
Kelly McCrimmon had to have not been satisfied with the way this team looks. And I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that maybe the Golden Misfits era just rub, just ran its course or really in the aspect where he really felt like he needed to make some changes. And I was thinking about it. I didn't get a chance to ask Kelly McCrimmon this today, but of all the years to be aggressive, to be aggressive in free agency, why now? It's, it's kind of weird to think that right now, year going into year four of this franchise now is the time you again you were in the western conference final you probably need to make a couple of moves here and there to get better but do you really feel confident gutting some of those key pieces to go and get an elite level defenseman to which they apparently they did and of course given the aspect of where you know you got these guys here you might want to think about trading these guys and then the whole locker room just is like well what in the world are we doing we we built this culture and now we're all of a sudden getting shipped aside for guys that have been out here. I, I think that probably the short answer out of all that, I know I went on a long time on that one. <laughs> um, and I apologize for that, but I think, I think there are some guys, especially the core guys that have been there for a while now that look at this and go, well, what do we think of this team now? Sure. We can be competitive now, but before we know it, we could get traded tomorrow because we're apparently not good enough to be on the level of these guys that they want to bring in. So everything could possibly be on the table and we could be gone. So I definitely think there is some, there is some merit to that, that there, there might be some guys that are definitely unnerved with what has happened the last few days. All right. Let me, let me throw something at you, uh, Danny. Um, uh, the start of the uh, the restart in the bubble and the playoffs and 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 practice. I, I looked up the Golden Knights team and I was up there for a couple of practices and I saw Robin Leonard as you did uh, stopping everything that was fired his way during that training camp or the mm-hmm. new training camp or whatever. And you could see the style of play between him and Mark Andre and you could kind of feel the vibe that maybe things are starting to lean towards him a little bit. Of course, he played very well right before the pause too, but. The one thing that I looked at and I said, man, if they could get themselves another really good defenseman, not to take anything away from the guys that were there, Zach Whitecloud coming up or or Nick Colden or those guys, but uh, if they could get one really top-notch defenseman uh, to that roster, how in the world would they get beat? Because I thought their offense was extremely good. I thought their goaltenders were very good. I thought Alex Martinez or Alex Martinez might have been the, uh, the piece that, that was the difference. And, and clearly, Kelly McCrimmon did not because uh, he, when he saw a guy like uh, like Alex Petrangelo available, he, he made the move, didn't he? Yeah, he absolutely did make the move. And and, and to McCrimmon's credit, uh, Martinez was outstanding from the moment that they traded for him and the moment that uh, he stepped on the ice for the playoffs. I thought Martinez, the Martinez-Theodore Theodore pairing was absolutely spectacular. And that paid off in huge, in huge waves. Um, I, I look at it from this standpoint, as far as the defensemen go. If, if Robin Leonard does not play the entire way, and do, do, the, do, do the Golden Knights play better in front of Marc-Andre Fleury, I guess is what I'm saying. Because they're, they're, they're generating a lot of shots. They're generating a lot of chances. And really, when you look at the Dallas series for how it ended in a five-game split, Vegas was really, they could have made the case where they could have won two or three of those games and the whole thing could have shifted. I I mean, I don't necessarily think that maybe they were one defenseman away. Maybe they were were a different change in goaltender away. I think it was just you chalk it up to bad puck luck and then you just roll with the results. I, I think that they were closer than I think a lot of people anticipated. I don't know if they were necessarily the better team as much as those guys claimed that they were, but they were definitely in a position where they could have really taken it by storm and they could have really flipped the series that they had another puck or two bounce their way, especially in game five, really game four and five of that series. If they, if a couple things bounced their way, um, I don't know. I think that that's definitely a weird, I think that's a different take to think about it, but 
I, I like the way that they played. They just didn't score enough. And I think if they believe that getting a guy like Petrangelo, who could be a Norris caliber guy late into this contract or early into this contract, is going to make the huge impact for Pete DeBoer, who relies on his defenseman to carry the puck and relies on his defenseman to make plays from the blue line, then, I mean, who am I to judge what they believe at this point? Because if they think that's going to be the Stanley Cup final move, then all power to them. Yeah, and now that now that they moved Stashny out, um, they made a couple moves to try and clear up some cap. Um, the obvious thing to kind of trade out somebody who's a really good veteran like Stashny is to have a good farm system coming up coming up the the pipeline. So within that, you have Cody Glass, Jack Dugan, and Peyton Krebs. Where do you see those three? If one of them, or if not all of them, getting an opportunity uh, to play well into the NHL season on this pro roster, uh, where do you see them slotting in? Yeah, I was I was told multiple times uh, before the season ended and up to leading up to free agency that the Golden Knights were going to move Paul Stasny, then they would show where they are as an organization as it pertains to Cody Glass. Now, obviously, he had a a really injury riddled season rookie season and when he was healthy and he was playing in between Pacioretty and stone. I mean, you're obviously you're going to look amazing when you're playing in between those guys, but for a, for a 20 year old, 21 year old to look as calm as he did and to play as well as he did. Um, the organization obviously is very high on him. And, and like I mentioned earlier, they were right on the cusp of getting Eric Carlson. And the only reason why they didn't get Eric Carlson was because they really were that high on Cody Glass, hence why they moved on from Eric Branstrom, hence why they moved on from Nick Suzuki. Not that those guys weren't going to produce, but when you looked at those three, Cody Glass being the first draft pick in team history, that, that was the guy that they were going to eventually build the future of the center position around for their team. So I fully expect if he is healthy, I think Glass is probably going to make a run for the second or third center spot, and I think that it is his for the taking and it's his to lose. Um, as far as Peyton Krebs goes, that's going to be the interesting one because Krebs, obviously, he can only he can only turn pro next year or he has to go back to one more year in juniors. And I'm not sure how much exactly this plays into the Golden Knights style of thinking, but Peyton Krebs took a lot of warmups with the Golden Knights um, during the return to play. And obviously, he didn't get a chance to see the ice. But even looking at the way that training camp transpired with uh, Peyton Krebs, he looked really good. He looked really comfortable. And, I mean, the fact that he made a line of him, Patrick Brown, and uh, Reed Duke look as good as they did, even in during regular scrimmages, um, I, obviously the organization is very high on him. And I think that if he can make that, if he can make that next leap, he is definitely going to be in play uh, for a spot on this roster. And Jack Dugan is another wild card because he, he's one of those guys that has looked good in camp. He could probably make the NHL roster as a bottom six guy. The problem is, is that you have too much depth on the wing in your bottom six. And obviously you're not going to play him in your top six. So now you got to figure out, well, do you want to, you know, you obviously you're not going to want to stash him on the bench. So you're probably, your best bet is probably keeping him in AHL Henderson for at least one year and then figure out what you can do there, whether Ryan Reeves is still a long-term fit, whether William Carrier, even though they signed him to an extension, is he worth the, uh, is he worth the fit? I, I think just the overall depth and how crowded it is at those positions is going to make it hard for Dugan. And I think it would make it harder for Krebs, but as far as glass goes, if he wants a roster spot next year, it's his to lose, I think. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the interesting circumstances that Vegas is in. We cover the Colorado Avalanche, and we see a young team uh, with no cap trouble. They have as, met, as much cap to spend as they want, whereas Vegas is uh, an extremely talented team, is, like you said, very, very crowded. I, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and I mean, for the, the top two lines, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, you may change a, a right winger on the third line. And then I think this fourth line is just mean and tough. And that's the type of style I think 
um, fits to start a game out like um, like they were doing in the playoffs. So it's very crowded, but um, they're also very crowded with the cap. So um, I think you're right. I think Cody Glass will have that option or that opportunity, and it is his to lose because they they put all their eggs in the basket of getting pitcher Angelo, and and they have. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I and obviously in terms of cap. You know, having a guy that's making less than a million of a cap hit, that that would be ideal as well if they wanted to throw him in there. But I, I think if he can stay healthy and he's willing to kind of be prepared to take on that workload and knowing he will stay on a line and not have any changes toward it, which I think hurt him in his early development last year, I think that's going to be a big thing for him too. Okay, so so Danny, I didn't get a chance to ask this question to uh, to Kelly McCrimmon tonight, but uh, I got to thinking as I was listening to the conversation that um, you know they have Mark Stone, who obviously has a no trade clause and uh, is slated to be probably the next or the only uh, Golden Knight to wear a C on his jersey. Um, and then I started thinking about uh, Petrangelo, who's been a four year captain coming in and I started thinking, okay, you got a really solid leader at the forward group with Mark Stone and now you may have a very solid leader with Petrangelo and your two goaltenders are very solid. Where's the weakness? Is there a weakness right now that you see? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean that that top line, uh I I wouldn't change a thing also. That top line of Pacioretty, Carlson and Stone, that that's where you have to make your money. The second line, I think, might be the biggest question mark. And not necessarily Riley Smith, but Jonathan Marchessault, who I thought was going to be a guy that might be traded um, this offseason. Just because I didn't think he adjusted well enough in Pete DeBoer's system. And I thought that that was going to cost him going into this offseason. Um, but if he can rebound and he can have go back to the Marchessault of year one and two, I think he'll be fine. You, line three, I mean, you got Alex Tuck, who I I thought, again, he was another guy that I thought they were going to consider trading. He comes out and has a ridiculous playoff performance and pretty much saved his job. And then you have Chandler Stevenson and Nick Waugh kind of intertwining center and wing, which I and those two played really well together. So I think that's fine. And the fourth line, I mean, there's really not much you can change now with no set coming back. I, it's hard to find a weakness, especially when you look at a guy like Zach Whitecloud who played well. I, I think really at at the at the crux of it, who's going to slide right next to Petrangelo if they play him on the first pairing? It's probably going to be McNabb, but McNabb was another person who I thought had a really shaky uh, postseason, and I didn't think he was going to last. And then who do you slide right next to Zach Whitecloud on the third pairing? whether it be Nick Holden or do you go the youth route again and promote Nick Haig for a full-time job? So, I mean, it's so hard to look at it from that standpoint, but I think if, if you're looking at it from the crux of it, I think the biggest weakness would be who do you slide right next to Petrangelo and then who do you slide next to White Cloud on those first and third pairings? Because Martinez and Theodore, um, unless they barring a trade for Martinez, which I don't think will happen, but – that pairing is locked in. That pairing should get a full season's worth and see what they can do. I, I would be very curious to see who they think is the best option to be with Petrangelo and who is to be with White Cloud because how, they, how those two perform, I think, is going to be the overall impact of how that defense ultimately gets judged next year. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Um, I- I know we only got you for a few more minutes, but I want to uh, I want to ask you about this because a lot of it's been up now, and especially with Vegas and and you being right there and around it for the past uh, three seasons. <clears throat> What's it like uh, in the community? I know they love their Golden Knights, and I know there's a special bond because of one October, and you still have to put a winning team out there. Not that they haven't been winning because they certainly have, but it's a difficult line to walk when you're such a new franchise and you have such adoring fans. I mean, trust me, I'm, I'm here in Phoenix, and uh, if we had the adoring fans that they have in Vegas, it would be a completely different climate, uh, in my estimation, for the Arizona Coyotes. But so, so my question is, 
how difficult is that really for a GM? Or does he, in Kelly McCrimmon's case, just block it out and just make the best hockey decisions? I think it definitely is difficult because this this community, and you brought up one October, this community rallied around this team and the team rallied around the community before they even played a single game. And I, I'm, I would never go to the lengths of saying, well, they used that tragedy, tragedy to propel them to a cup final run. I would never say that because that's just, uh, to me, that's asinine as someone who's born and raised here. I would never use that as, as a uh, launching pad. But I think it definitely is difficult because when you have a community that is so tight-knit, who's been longing for a sports franchise forever – at, you know, getting away from UNLV athletics and everything, you finally have your own professional sports team to rally around. I think the way that the community came together and I think the way that the team came together kind of created this bond of, well, these decisions that are being made to make the team better make no sense because the team that was here in year one went on to the Stanley Cup final and who knows, you know, how things would have transpired, you know, a couple of bounces here, a couple of bounces there. But I, I think it definitely is a challenge for Kelly McCrimmon. I, I honestly, I think it would be more of a challenge for George McPhee because he has been in the middle of it since day one. And again, Kelly McCrimmon has also been here since the start of the franchise, but he's basically been given the keys to say, okay, this is your team, do what you want. And I think a lot of people and probably himself included would want to take on the challenge to see, okay, this is why they gave me the job. This is why I am the general manager of this team, and I'm not a general manager of Seattle, where I could pretty much do the same thing George did and make it tight and um, run it like a like a full blown ship. I, I think uh, I, I think it is tough, and I and I can definitely understand you know the fans aspect for it, but at the end of the day, I said it from the very beginning when this team started winning. Winning changes everything. And if, the, if this team had finished with 70, 75 points like they really should have in year one, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Alex Petrangelo wouldn't be a Vegas Golden Knight. Robin Leonard wouldn't be with the Golden Knights. Pacioretty and Stone wouldn't be with the Golden Knights. Winning changes everything. And it really opened the door, allowing them to make these moves to put them in contention. So I, I definitely think it is difficult. But I think what fans are seeing now is – the business side of this and the commitment to winning. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this team responds. The, the, the community is going to rally behind this team. It's going to be very interesting to see what this team does in response and how important it is for them to win going forward. And I think that's going to also really affect the relationship between the fan base and the front office and eventually the roster in general. Yeah, well put. Um, Zach, you want to fire one more away, and then I'll finish up with one last one? Yeah, sure. So just to talk a little bit more about you, Danny, how how is it that you came to be uh, a correspondent for <laughs> NHL.com? What is a correspondent, just for our listeners who may not know? Um, and just a little bit of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, my job with NHL.com is primarily game coverage and occasional news uh, that breaks. We obviously the the great people at NHL.com have, you know, a long list of full timers that have always put in the work, and you know they they do their job whenever we need to. If they ever need something from us on site, basically it's our job to fill the information to our editors at .com, and basically they handle the news as they see fit, or if we are on site and write the news, or basically handle game coverage. That's basically my role. Um, how I got to that job, it was actually very funny because um, before the Golden Knights played their first season, I was actually working at the newspaper here in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Review Journal. And um, I had actually gotten an opportunity uh, to manage Knights on Ice, which is the SP Nation site. And unfortunately, by way of doing that, I also had to move on from the RJ. So, um, and, and, you know, kind of shortly putting it, you know, you make a decision like that, you don't really take the financial aspect into it because you're so excited to cover a professional sports team in your hometown that you're like, <laughs> uh, you know what, this, this is going to make sense. Um, so there, there was that aspect. And then how I got the NHL job, 
was actually the sports editor of the RJ, Bill Bradley, had received an email from my current editor now with uh, NHL.com and basically said, well, I'm looking for somebody to cover Vegas. And he gave him my name. I had the interview and it uh, went well enough to where they wanted to trust a guy who was still fresh out of college to, to cover this team. So I, I'm always greatly appreciative of that. And then, uh, yeah. And then went on from there to cover, uh, one of the greatest professional sports runs I've ever seen in any sport. And, uh, all while working, a a, uh, a full-time job overnight at a, at a social media startup company. So working three jobs and not getting any sleep while going through this cup final <laughs> run was absolutely <laughs> terrific. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much my journey has always been involved in sports writing and that's what I've always set out to do ever since, uh, I was like 14 years old and I've propelled that journey all the way through UNLV to get my degree and eventually to where I am today. So very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing right now in my life for sure. All right. Uh, very well said again, Danny. Um, I'm going to ask you the final one here and then we'll let you go. Um, when you look at Vegas professional sports, now the Raiders are in town and they're making their moves, albeit within the pandemic. Um, but you think back to, to Bill Foley and what he's meant to the uh, city of Las Vegas, the community, the state of Nevada for what that's worth. But now the Henderson Golden Knights are coming on. Can you put into words for us and our listeners just how important an owner like Bill Foley is to the uh, not only the day-to-day of the team and the ability to, to put together a roster that wins right away, but just the growth of what he's brought to Vegas? It really is insane to think of what he's been able to produce. I mean, Bill Foley from, what was it, probably a year and a half before the Golden Knights were even announced. He was out selling season tickets, getting pledges from fans. And within, you know, 24 to 36 hour period, he got 15,000 deposits for season tickets. I mean, that, that is unreal. And again, and again, this is a city that has, for the longest time, the only thing this, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but the only thing that this city had to hold its hat on for a very long time was UNLV men's basketball and the days of Jerry Tarkanian. And I mean, going, speaking as a UNLV grad who covered UNLV men's basketball when I was working for the student newspaper, there is not anything you can hold your hat on more if you go to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas than the 1990 championship team where they beat Duke by 30 points. That is the thing that no matter where you go, everybody talks about it. And, it, and sometimes it gets nauseating because you have to hear the same stories over and over <laughs> and over again. And really between that and what was the Las Vegas 51s, which is now the Las Vegas Aviators, the minor league team here, um, there was nothing. There was nothing to be had here. And the fact that we are here in a span of now going into a fourth season of Golden Knights hockey, the Raiders are here, which is it still boggles my mind every time I watch a Raiders game now and I see the scoreboard <laughs> say LV and not OAK. I still don't understand how it's even possible. But you have the Raiders that are here. I can only imagine when they finally let fans into the building what a packed Legion Stadium is going to look like. Um, and then there's the prospect of possibly a baseball team coming here. I mean, I mean, I know there were rumors about the A's of the Diamondbacks possibly being relocated to Henderson, it's crazy to think what has transpired here. And now the city of Henderson is going to get the Silver Knights and they're going to get their own arena in Henderson in, in about a year, year and a half. And it, it's just crazy how much it has exploded over the course of the last four years. And honestly, who knows if the success of the Golden Knights would have led to all of this if they were just been here and they weren't playing as well, who knows if the success and what Bill Foley has promised this city, this organization, if it would have even mattered. But, I mean, because of Bill Foley, because of the Golden Knights, now there's prospects of even an NBA team coming here at some point. So Las Vegas, which has gone without professional sports for, you know, ever since I was born, into now becoming a hotbed of professional sports – 
is really one of the more miraculous things that I have ever seen. And thankfully, we don't have to talk about the 1990 UNLV men's basketball team anymore. So it, <laughs> it all comes full circle to me. That, that is uh, where you're living right now, my friend, is a sports lover's dream because every time I'm up there, uh, I come back and I tell the people in Tucson and, and all over, I go like, you know, th there's, what, six new ice sheets uh, either built or on on plan uh, in the process, I should say. And uh, I understand there's another couple that might be coming in on the south end of, uh, of Vegas uh, down the road. So you, you talk about that, and then you look at a city like Tucson with a couple million people, and they have one ice sheet that's used partially, right? I mean, yeah. uh, the, the, the Tucson Convention Center is just – it's a beautiful facility, but they don't keep ice in there very long. So to have a uh, AHL team and a, and a really good club team playing down there – it's unfortunate that they couldn't spread the the, uh, the hockey wealth around a little bit, but I think what Bill Foley's doing will actually do that. I think it's it's going to start to take hold here in the desert again and and in Phoenix. So you know, thanks for taking the time on a really busy night and a very busy uh, free agency period. We appreciate you jumping on with us and talking a little Vegas hockey. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is going to have his. Uh, meet the media tomorrow so that'll be fun and uh yeah. and we'll look forward to seeing you and uh, up in vegas soon yeah hopefully hopefully i didn't uh, drag that on too long guys i appreciate <laughs> you not kicking me off sooner but that was a, <laughs> no, it was a great chat no. and I, I appreciate you all having me on it's good chat we we love having you on you're welcome anytime danny thanks so much for coming on with us appreciate thanks, it danny. thank you guys all right, that's danny webster with the nhl.com and the sb nation page and i mean just uh one thing after another in Vegas, he uh, he does with hockey. Uh, Zach, let's take another quick break and let's come back and uh, and talk a little bit about the uh, Colorado Avalanche and the moves they made and and some of the moves that the Arizona Coyotes have made as well in about two minutes. Okay. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community, offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, and we're back with you, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Zach Bondurant from Chandler, Arizona. Um, Zach, just a quick recap on what Danny had to say and just uh, uh, your opinion on his insight into uh, Vegas Golden Knights hockey. Yeah, I mean, um, besides you, it's <laughs> the person that I've talked to the most about Vegas, I think, would be would be Danny. That's That's so close to the organization has been – um, been able to be up close and personal with the players. So um, I think it's a really good source for us to have on. And I think he, he provided a lot of insight to, uh, to our, to the people who listen. Um, it'll be interesting to see. He did bring up a lot of really good points that I thought were, um, were like for one thing I never thought of is uh, not only was the team brought in, I brought up the point of a team that had come in as the misfits and had that identity, but uh, new players were coming in and if that identity was changing, but he also brought up that there was a whole new GM that was different from the one that took all those guys for the original roster. So um, a very well-rounded conversation. He had a full 
uh, encompassment of, of just looking at the organization and seeing uh, everything that went on and, and just getting like really deep into it. Um, so it was, it was definitely a joy to have him on and, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to see him up there in Vegas soon and have some games. Yeah, that's what we're all looking forward to. It's funny today, Kelly McCrimmon on his media availability said uh, somebody asked him about, uh, well, he had made the announcement that Robin Leonard was having some clean-out surgery on his shoulder uh, this week, and they said, oh, is that why you kept uh, Marc-Andre Fleury? And he said, no, we, we made the determination already that we were going to continue with Marc-Andre and, uh, and Robin as the goaltenders starting the season and for next year we felt like we wanted them both and we realized that 12 million dollars in goaltenders is a lot but we also think the condensed season (laughs) uh, might be a problem if you don't have two top-notch goaltenders and then lo and behold he gives us that news right off the get-go so we're going like okay well and then we asked him about the season he said well that's the thing we don't know how compressed the offseason will be because we don't even know when we're going to start yet so that that's up in the air um you know, I, I think one thing, I think with Vegas, like it or not, and uh, whatever, I mean, Bill Foley is there to win hockey games, and he'll do whatever it takes. Uh, he's very good to his players. That's why everybody wants to stay there, and nobody wants to leave when they're there, and everybody wants to come in and stay there once they get an opportunity. But, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's a business, right? When you sign yeah. up to play professional sports, you know that that you're going to change places a lot more than likely. If you're one of the guys that's fortunate enough to uh, be good enough to call the shots, like obviously uh, uh, Mark Stone and, and Alex Petrangelo are, then uh, then you're one of the lucky ones because in this business, uh, it moves all the time. Speaking of moving all the time, tell us about the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, so uh, fairly quiet all throughout uh, kind of the beginning of free agency. And then they um, they really didn't do a lot of outside signing of free agents, but they got some some guys via trade. And the, the two of them, one of them, Brandon Saad, who will shore up that depth, um, which I think I think is a good a good move. Uh, Joe Sackick brought in somebody who's got one year left on their contract, which is typically what he does so he can negotiate – and have control over that contract next year. Uh, he also gives them an opportunity to see how he meshes with this team. Uh, he's a guy that's been uh, been in the Chicago organization a lot. He's won uh, every so. I Chicago's got the three Stanley Cups. I believe he was there for all three of them. Um, so he's got a lot of of knowledge and understanding of the playoffs. And then today they traded two second round picks for Devin Taves, which. Uh, I was not very well versed on Taves um, when I first saw the headline of of Avalanche send twenty one second and twenty two second to get Taves. I was I had to I had to I know there are more than one I know Taves. you well enough to know you were looking it up fast. Yeah, I know there's Jonathan Taves, and I'm pretty sure he's got there's another Taves in the league that's related to him. So I was like, okay, hold on, pump the brakes. And then I saw Islanders. I was like, okay. So I had to. I kind of had to read up on Devin. Um, it, it good player. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of people are saying. He hasn't had a lot of time in the NHL, based on what my research, my little research showed. Um, but a lot of people are saying that he's just going to continue to add to the speed and offensive prowess that this defense already has. So um, I knew Zadorov. I had a feeling Zadorov was going to be was going to be sent off, um, and uh, that player coming back was Brandon Saad, which I think was a pretty good return. So um, it's, it it looks like Joe's got, got the team that he's pretty well comfortable with based on what history tell us. Um, The players he brings in have one year left on the contract and renegotiates based on his, uh, on what he wants. Um, Sounds like Tyson Jost is going to be there for a while, which is interesting to me, but um, I think I think <laughs> yeah, I think Joe has been interesting s- to you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I I think he's got a soft spot in his heart for for Jost. Um, that was one of his his first picks. So um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But um, I think the other thing that was interesting to me is the Coyotes and the and I think they really showed their hand as to what they think 
the direction is going to be for this team. And when we first originally talked about it weeks ago, I said there's there's a few ways you could steer the ship. You can go the Montreal Canadiens way, which is you hang on to those those big pieces and try and rely on your system to bring up a lot of talented players, or you go full rebuild. And they look like they're staying with everybody because no trades. Kemper's still there. Ekman Larson's still there. They really only got the bottom line of Hayden, Larson, and Pitlick. Um, that's new. Everyone else is returning. So it's very, very interesting from that aspect. I had heard that Thatcher Demko was in the mix of Ekman Larson. And I don't ever want to know if that's real because if it was, I think I would lose my mind. Have you not <laughs> traded Ekman Larson for Thatcher Demko? But right. looking at it now, Vancouver obviously knew something was up because Markstrom left and now it looks like it's Demko's team. So, um, Interesting all around. Avs kind of did what what they normally do, and they stayed quiet and made sure the contracts they took back in um, were were able to be controlled next year or were a low amount. And then the Coyotes showed their hand and that they're gonna kind of stay the course and and see see what they un- end up with. Which I I'm excited. I was excited for either rebuild or stay the course. So I'm excited to see what this team can can do next season. Well, I think I said it, uh, if not 100 times, this will be 101. Um, the Coyotes clearly in a rebuild mode uh, with the guys that they have. They're going to try to be competitive, but they are a little ways away from being a playoff uh, Stanley Cup final contender. Let's put it that way. Uh, they have a shot at the playoffs like everybody does, uh, depending on their health. But it's going to be interesting. Their, their three goaltenders now are still the same, Kemper, Ranta, and they did a one-way contract with Hill, so there's still yeah. time to move somebody. But uh, three looks like a crowded kitchen to me. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we know what the Golden Knights are doing. You you laid out what the Avalanche are doing. So um, so many things to talk about. Next Monday we'll have to dig in a little deeper. But I thought the uh, Petrangelo deal uh, warranted bringing on another Vegas uh, guest and, and dig into that because obviously he's uh, you know Kelly McCrimmon said. I would not have traded uh, Nate Schmidt for anybody other than uh, the opportunity to get Petrangelo. So that's how much he thought of Nate Schmidt. I know for a fact they did not want to trade him, but uh, you had to clear the cap space. And, and when you have an opportunity to get a generational player like that, and they truly believe that if they gave him a no movement clause and a seven year deal, they think he is a generational defenseman. Yeah. And I mean, like I said before, uh, no movement clause handcuffs you to that player for the length of that contract it's you may have an opportunity to move him but now he's got an 8.8 million dollar contract and with the way (laughs) the cap is they basically have handcuffed themselves to Pietrangelo, which i will say is not a bad player to handcuff yourself to, especially on the d and mark stone don't forget about that (laughs) and that one I'm, i'm that one i'm a little more would be a little bit more concerned with um but I'm concerned with any no-movement clauses. I don't like those. If I'm putting my GM hat on, um, I would not ever hand out a no-movement clause um, unless it was for somebody like McDavid or McKinnon. Um, that's just me, though. Um, but if I'm, in, if, if I'm in the GM seat for Vegas and that's what I have to do and I think this is a guy that will help me lift a cup, then that's what I'm going to do because that's what my job is. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing with that, Zach, is uh, it, it says no movement clause, but that can always be negotiated. Of course. Um, yeah. But the problem in Vegas, like I said before, is that once players get to Vegas, they want to stay there. They like the family part of Summerlin. They, you know, most people, you know, Kelly said it today on the on the uh, the webinar as well, or the media availability was, uh, you know, you come to Vegas for vacation, you go to the Strip, you see all the Strip. But you probably don't ever take time to go look around the rest of the other parts of Vegas. Uh, if you're a hockey player, you come to Summerlin. You don't really go to the Strip unless they fly you over in a helicopter to show you it from a promotional standpoint, if you will. Uh, he said today that all of his players live within 10 minutes of City National Arena in Summerlin. Uh, it's very easy for them to get about, and that's a big selling point for them is that 
there's no traffic issues. I mean, you hear it all the time down here in Phoenix is for the, the, the players that live in Scottsdale, North Scottsdale, I mean, it's 30, 45 minutes sometimes to get to the rink, uh, depending on traffic. And that, uh, that can be a downfall, especially for guys that have families and have been around a while. So, yeah. And I anyway, mean, Alex has got three kids uh, and a wife. So, yeah, I think that was definitely a big thing that had played into it um, is having that that ease of to and from work, just like anybody. You know, it's just it, yep. it, we yep. forget that hockey players are people and they want that that ease and and although their job is a dream job to 99.9% of hockey fans, um, they're people. So um, I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see see him in that all-gold jersey. Um, and <laughs> I wanted him to be introduced in that. I think he should come on the availability tomorrow wearing that gold jersey, but we'll see. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. So – with uh, with that, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up if that's if that's what that's uh, perfect. Go ahead and do your perfect. read, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodnight with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Sounds good. So, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Voted the Best Ford Dealer in Arizona. Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is a presenting partner of the Sunday Special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you to see a top selling line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers are dining rooms in the accordance with the CDC. Guidelines are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, see Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you how the power of the new T-Mobile. Whether it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the barbecue at Las Vegas. Call us at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Buy Summer Skates. Our line of shower shoes can show off your fandom with Team Unity or custom design. Visit summerskates.com. Behind the mask, it's time to get back to hockey. For all your hockey needs, visit any of our three locations or go to behindthemask.com. College Bar and Grill in Tempe. Buy ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Find your bottle that suits your taste. Go to mexicanmoonshine.com. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at oxypow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com. Use promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy Ice-10 Scottsdale and Chandler. See our website for ice availability. Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly and all Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IceTimeSW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Uh, I told everybody we were going to be going long tonight because I knew this conversation would have to go a little long with all the excitement that's gone on with free agency. We'll be back next week. I do want to thank Danny Webster uh, with NHL.com and everything else in Vegas, SB Nation's page. I mean, what he does is is, uh, a sports writer's dream, I would say. Uh, Jack Zach, of all thanks trades. for uh, <laughs> absolutely thanks for your uh, great insight tonight. That's always uh, welcomed on the show. And tomorrow night, if you're tuning in for College Hockey Southwest Weekly, Coach Greg Power is scheduled to join us tomorrow night. So get your insight on ASU NCAA hockey. And then Wednesday night, we've got uh, Larry Gibson uh, with USA Hockey goaltending and USA Hockey instruction joining us as well. So a busy week. Zach, have a good night, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, you too.